0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Many voices are more powerful than one. When we share ideas, developments, and power, we can achieve anything. Welcome to DJ and Du Bear, keeping you at the top of your game. Your hosts are Dietta Jones and Richard Dent. Together, they have made a worthy life that includes a family, two businesses, a foundation, and much more. They're ready to help you find your personal success. Now, here are Dieta and Richard. Welcome to
2: DJ and da bear I'm Dieta Jones, your host. I'm a social justice advocate, leadership coach, individual, and organizational effectiveness speaker and author. I'm joined by my better three quarters, NFL legend and pro football Hall of Famer, Richard Dent.
3: Hello, Richard. How you doing, my dear?
2: I think Again, I'm better than you. I think stuck, I'm, I'm up to uh, my I'm eyeballs stuck here and
3: snow. In, oh, in Phoenix, because you guys all snowed in over there. How's yeah. it coming on?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, life is tough, huh? God, too bad you're stuck in sunny Phoenix.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, probably true, but stuck in Phoenix with no bags is not a good thing, babe.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Uh, same you know, old we clothes,
3: see? wearing the same old things, but I'm here, I'm here, and, and it was fascinating what took place yesterday, Let's maybe getting an introduction that was was with us, and maybe we have a little conversation about that along with a few other things.
2: okay, well, for those of you who are listening to our show for the first time, let me just tell you, between Richard and I, he is the brains, and I'm the brawn no, 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 no wait. Wait, wait, wait. He's the beauty, and I'm the beast. (laughs) Okay,
3: there there you go. I'll I'll take (laughs)
2: that. Assets aside, we're here to fill the next hour of your lives with thought-provoking ideas, invite you to ask questions and add perspective, and have a few laughs along the way. Our topic this week is, am I crazy or what? Real talk about mental health, and we're looking forward to spending the next hour with you. So this is a really interesting topic for me. Um, I spend... Um, uh, a lot of my time working with people uh, as a, a personal coach, as a, a coach for people who are um, professionally uh, desiring to get from one place to another place, who are sometimes stuck, who are trying to help their organizations get um, from point A to point A, from point A to point B, or to get from kind of good to great, to build organizational health and organizational capacity, to help. Um, managers and leaders find ways to motivate their employees and 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 build a tolerance for risk-taking and a propensity for innovation and and given what I do and this doesn't this doesn't make it it's not a direct connection but given what I do I spend the vast majority of my time on I wouldn't call it mental health necessarily but I would call it emotional health and so this is a really interesting topic for me because um, I find myself in a kind of quasi-counselor role pretty regularly where I am the confidant for people, whether they're leaders or managers who are struggling or stuck um, you know, in a working context or with you know, balancing personal uh, feelings uh, with their organizational or professional aspirations. And so I'm just going to read off a couple of things just to kind of get the ball rolling and to set the context for this conversation today. To, to share kind of how this is interesting for from me, from my point of view, but then also um, invite our guests and our experts to share with us, um, a, you know, maybe a broader perspective of how we might talk about this topic. So for me, the kinds of things that I hear pretty regularly are things like nagging insecurity that prevents people from pursuing uh, career-advancing opportunities, you know, that that I don't know if I'm good enough, I don't know if I'm ready Uh, confidence, lacking confidence sorts of issues, Uh, chronically feeling overwhelmed to the point of a hopelessness or lacking a willingness to invest energy in potentially risky endeavors. So for example, um, this manifests itself in a working environment where people aren't just, aren't willing to, to put their neck out, aren't willing to take a risk, aren't willing to raise their hand, aren't willing to share a divergent perspective because they're um, they just don't feel like the energy exerted is going to be met with um, with an openness, and they feel like they've been penalized in the past, and so they're emotionally pretty hopeless, um, struggling to be an inspirational leader, able to motivate staff while dealing with their own personal issues of depression or anxiety. And I literally just had a conversation with someone last week who was talking with me about the struggles of trying to lead and manage her organization through a major. Uh, Innovative project and process, while also trying to figure out how to get her medications right uh, for her own personal depression. Um, not so gracefully juggling time with family and high-stress traveling job. That that absolutely sings to me. Uh, concern about the pressure on one's children to excel in an increasingly competitive environment. You know, what are, what kind of environments are our children expected to compete in and to to thrive in and and how does that just get exacerbated over time as um, they go into increasingly competitive environments in college, for example? And then, and then finally, feeling punished for taking time uh, that, to, to attend to uh, family or personal medical care issues. And, and this comes up to me quite regularly when people talk about even using time that they have coming to them. Um, to uh, taking it um, to leave their uh, job because they have to respond to you know a principal or a counselor calling, uh, t- saying you have to come and get your kid. He's having an episode, or he hit a, he hit another child, or something that's uh, you know uh, responding to a child's uh, uh, you know ADD or ADHD or autism, and so really feeling this the tug. Uh, associated with being a parent and, and being a professional and needing to be on call in order to respond to teachers' and counselors' needs immediately and also having the pressures of an organization that just doesn't really want to to hear it and doesn't, even though they, they say that they support you being able to take time, they, they really do um, make it difficult and, and have some kind of subtle ways of punishing people for doing for doing so. So for me, this is an issue that comes up in many, many different ways, pretty regularly. And so I'm really excited that we're here talking about it uh, with you today. Well, you know, actually,
3: we all around the world had a little view of that uh, last night watching a football game. You know, when you listen to what Pete Carroll says... After the game, that oh, it's just a throwaway play. You know, your throwaway plays. When does something <laughs> get to be throwaway when you got thirty seconds left in a game that puts you in a position of being a champion back to back? It's no, it, it's no room for throwaway. You know, when you know you you look at the pressure that was boiling, that you know you have one of the best running backs, and yet you know you're going to try to throw something. You try to go trick someone, or you're going to stay with. It. What got you to the dance? This is where, you know, I'm sure, I'm you know, it's so many people pissed off. I'm pissed off when you see a team do what they have done in the last two years, and here it is. You get on the one-and-a-half-yard line with 28 seconds left, and you have a timeout. <laughs> and you're thinking about a throwaway play, Right. this is like a, a <laughs> you, I, you, I mean, you can't believe it. This is where pressure, you let pressure get to you, and you can, mm-hmm. and in which you know, I can, I can trust and respect the man said, hey, look, I screwed up, you know, And but this is where leaders that's in that huddle that says, hey, look, coach is not getting the shit done. We're going to run this ball. We are not going to throw this ball. <laughs> No one never throws the ball across the middle because when you throw it across the middle, it gets tipped. And understand, everybody in the middle, there's more people in the middle than in the corner of the end zone. So if you're going to throw it, throw a post corner, fake inside, go outside. Or yet, you got the beast in the back. You know, he's been averaging, you know, at least four yards, two, three yards. You're under on one and a half. And you hand that ball off, and you win. Okay, and to allow that pressure to build, and I'm sure it's a bunch of pissed off young men in that yeah. locker room that just told, and which, you know, I'm not a, a, a Patriots lover, but, you know, again, you know, they were there and they made the play. You gave them opportunity to win that game.
2: So Michelle, after as soon as I have an opportunity to introduce you, then I'd love for to you talk guys. to talk about kind of jiggering. the brain science associated oh, yeah. with anxiety and performance. This is and is real anxiety. I mean, right, right now, so law 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 somebody would have got beat
3: up. And, 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 I mean, who knows? Somebody may have got beat emotional up in that locker Go
2: ahead. Okay, let me introduce our guest. Please
3: do. Go right on.
2: Okay, Michelle Simmons. I'm gonna have you. I'm gonna start off with you, Michelle. Uh, Simmons, is who is also one of my dearest and most long-term friends, uh, holds a master's degree in community counseling from the University of Northern Colorado and is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Colorado. In addition to her private practice, she has over 17 years of clinical experience in a variety of settings, such as hospitals, community mental health centers, and family service agencies. By continuing her education, Michelle has extensive knowledge in crucial areas such as trauma, Crisis intervention and child protective issues. She is dedicated her, to her community and welcomes the opportunity to work with the unique issues faced by many African Americans. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks and for Nikki. having me.
3: Hello, Michelle. Thanks for being on.
2: Here. Oh, it's wonderful. And Nikki Sterling is an autism mom and an advocate who has spent the last five years better understanding the disorder, providing outreach and information to other recently diagnosed autism families and to underserved minority communities. A former public relations executive, she now utilizes her media relations and brand building skills as a Chicago ambassador for the Organization for Autism Research. In addition, she pens a heartfelt and informative faithhopeloveautism.com blog. Nikki holds a B.A. in communications from Farley Dickinson University and an M.A. in applied behavioral analysis with an emphasis in autism spectrum disorders from Ball State University. Welcome, my friends, and Nikki. Nikki, too, is one of our dear friends. Nikki, I have a picture of you in our family video from I this year. I don't like that
4: picture. photo <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, guys. Welcome.
3: Go right ahead. Oh, my God. Okay,
4: Richard, first off. Just quickly, the first thing that came to my mind yesterday when they started fighting in the end zone at Super Bowl, I was like, man, they took the Super Bowl shuffle and turned it into the Super Bowl scuffle. I was
3: like, what What is going on? I like that. You know, it's, it's, you know, that defense, they was greatly pissed off. I mean, you know, they have fought to their soul, and this is where their leader, their coach, let them down. Right. But let them down. But this is where, you know, it was times that Dicker didn't call plays right. And what McMahon used to do is change the call. Sometimes Buddy Ryan didn't make the good calls. And, hey, at that point, it, you look, the game is in your hand. The team, the coaches prepare you for the game. Uh, when the game starts, it's in the player's hand. So, yes, you may have, you may have been afraid to make a change or whatever, but coming back in, knowing that that ball on the one, and, you know, they cannot, they cannot take a knee in the end zone. Now you get two right. points, you get a point. Who knows what can happen? So, you know, to me, they look like they bobbed their head, or like, you know, the guys kind of got offside. But, you know, that's just telling you the emotions, the emotions taking place. You know, guys are really pissed off, so that's a, that's a tough moment
2: okay I'm gonna jump in we need to switch gears and when we come back we are going to talk about mental health and uh, until then please visit our website www.dietajones.com, or hit us up on Twitter at Dieta M Jones and at Richard underscore dent 95 we'll be right back <laughs>
1: friend us on facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world voice america empowerment richard dent a cornerstone of the bears overwhelming defense during their super bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the pro football hall of fame was an eighth round draft pick out of tiny tennessee state in 1983 the tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career dense fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest most dominant defenses in nfl history blood sweat and bears hits hard just like its hall of fame author buy it now on amazon or download it to kindle Deetta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic yet direct and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dietta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at dietajones.com. find out what makes the most successful people tick keep listening to the voice america empowerment channel voice america you are listening to dj and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game To reach the show today, please call in to one 346 9141 That number again is one 346 9141 You may also send an email to djones at djetajones.com. Now, back to the show.
2: We're back and continuing Am I Crazy or What? We'll talk about mental health. So before we went to break, we were talking about the Super Bowl, and we were talking about the level of anxiety associated with, you know, that last play and the, the, you know, getting to the Super Bowl, the and the amount of hope that filled the stadium, but also filled the the hearts and minds of everybody watching it, the millions and millions of people around the world who were watching it. What's the deal, Michelle? Maybe you can help us think about this. What does this, you know, this 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 hope? that we, you know, that, that we put on, you know, something like a game or a sport. And what what are some of the can you help us just understand why it's so important and why it's so deflating when we lose hope?
5: I think that um, when we put our when we get to uh, look at sports and entertainment, it provides a nice escape from our everyday realities. And so there are a lot of people that, you know, buy into team spirit and find, and feel connected Um, on a personal level with images that they see on TV or athletes and, or, you know, that's where our role models come from. And so when hope is taken away from somebody, whether it's, you know, from a sporting event to a girl's self-esteem to um, a family's child, when hope is taken away, it creates a level of despair that people then can tie into. And that's where a lot of mental health comes from, is people's ability to be able to recover from situations um, that are not necessarily um, positive. You know, it's all really about the recovery. It doesn't matter what happened. It's really about how you recover from it. And so we identify as a society with sports a lot because it provides a great outlet for us to um, leave our day-to-day challenges
2: That's really interesting because you're right. All of us are going to have disappointments. All of us are going to have losses. All of us are going to have things that we feel painful, you know, that are painful to us from an emotional point of view. But the ability to recover, the ability to know that next week we're going to have another shot at this is is really wonderful. And it does does provide something for people. I feel like
3: football is something that, you know, they know that this is the last game. So you got to wait. You got to. (laughs) <laughs> you got to drink that. that <laughs> plant,
4: you
3: know, and and, and, and it, it's it's not a good taste.
4: Right. Yeah. Right,
3: what but it?
5: although, and it, that comes into perspective, although yesterday was the last game, the new season starts today. And so it's really about, you know, how will the Seahawks recover or the coaching staff, how will they recover. We know what happened here in Denver mm-hmm. uh, when – when our dreams fell short, we moved right, on right. and
3: moved forward. It's <laughs> no. not life and death, but you have to <laughs> cleanse yourself. And, and, That's right. right. That's How right. do I move forward? It wasn't right. Okay, so a small decision just on making a play is one thing. Everybody in the world was hoping and wishing that the play stopped, and people were hoping and wishing that it go forward. And the guys on both sidelines was hoping the same. So everybody in that stadium around the world had some hoping and wishing. But yet, that's right. you know, somebody's gonna have to, you know, be let down and someone have to come through.
5: That's right.
2: But I love <laughs> the way you frame it, Michelle, and that's why you're the professional, right? Because you easily say, Okay, yeah, that was yesterday, and then the new the new season starts today. And that's that's what it's really about. You know, from a from a and we're not talking and right now we're not talking about things that are necessarily require some professional intervention or medication. This is just this ongoing ability as, as humans, as adults, to be able to deal with letdowns and then recover quickly and get on to the next thing, you know, and right. put things in their, right per, in their, you know, rightful perspective, which I, I really appreciated how quickly you were able to say, let's reframe that. Yes.
5: I think it's important because if we carry on, you know, that's where the term baggage comes from. If we carry, you know, our past hurts and traumas, not that they didn't shape our story or shape our experiences or for our world view, but they don't have to be defining moments. Now, for some of those athletes that played yesterday, they did have defining moments, both positive and negative. But it's really, again, about perspective and where you allow your mind to take you is where you will
3: go. Yeah, yeah. And some of us live in a life where hoping and wishing is an everyday thing, you know, this is sports that we speak about. But when we Mm -hmm. speak about our kids or what goes on in our life, and I know Nikki can speak to that for us there.
4: Well, yeah, absolutely you can. I mean, I think that we all have to have the ability to be able to push the reset button and actually allow it to work. I think a lot of times we find ourselves in these difficult situations and we, you know, just sit back and fester so much on what was lost or what could have been instead of looking at what will be Um, and really being able to push the reset button and let it work, not just push it and still you know, worry about what was, but to push it and really be like, okay, tomorrow is a new day, today is a new day, what I do from here um, is going to impact, you know, the, the rest of my life, you know.
2: So, you guys, let me ask you, because what we're talking about right now seems like kind of normal day-to-day, this is, this is just, you know, what it, what it means to be an adult, right? You know, th- you're going to mm-hmm. have some good days and bad days, sometimes you're going to fester on the past and you need to kind of get yourself reframed and moving forward. But then we also I also seem like there's a feel like there's a lot of emphasis on things that really do require intervention that really do require professional help and therapy. Can we talk about those? How do we know what the line is? So Michelle, maybe you can give us some perspective. When is it and you and I have been friends for a million years. When is me just you know, whining to you about this or that or this kind of normal. And when is it, and, and when is it, you know, what is the time or the place where you say, you know what, Dee, you really need to go talk to somebody else, or you really do need to think about this as a different course of action? How, how does a person know the difference?
5: I really like to have people assess the impact that whatever issue it is, depression, anxiety, stress, has on their life. And if there are negative impacts in the areas of your life based on, you know, because of depression, you can't get out of bed, you can't work you your nerves are bad, your temper is short um that's when I encourage people to at least take the next step and and further explore it. It doesn't mean that you know something is characterologically wrong with you; it just really means that you might be struggling in an area i think as a- in society as a whole, we all experience depression at some point in our lives at some level of our lives, whether it's the loss of a loved one or a job or career change or Mistreatment, whatever that may be, but when the impact when it impacts your life in a negative manner, is when I really encourage people to take the next step. So, kids being kicked out of school or, or in-school suspension or poor peer relationships, it's it's I think it behooves parents to look one step further about what really could be causing this.
2: Yeah. But but what is the I feel like there's a stigma around that, right like we in the, we don't live in a society where and i I think more and more we're starting to talk about this we're starting to see uh you know uh, coverage of stories or or, or or even the 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 one of the major uh motion pictures right now is still Alice, which is talking about Alzheimer's disease. We have Bobby Christina unfortunately, who was found just a couple of days ago with her you know face down in a bathtub. We have all of these different societal you know, cues that are letting us know that it's, it's more common to talk about things like mental and emotional health. But still, there's a stigma around it. Still, it's not cool to be that person who has to leave work early to go to see a therapist. Still, it's not, it's not okay to say I'm really struggling with something and it's having a negative impact on my ability to, you know, to be a parent or to be a professional right now. What, what's that about? What are some of those stigmas about? And how do we deal with those? How do we get over it? I
5: think that, you know, there's a lot of societal pressures to be perfect. And, you know, if you had a fever, you wouldn't be necessarily um, ashamed of that. You would just, you know, take medicine and move forward and, you know, put your life back on, on, on the correct track. But when it comes to mental illness, I think part of it is there's so many jokes and people, you know, throw the terms around so fluent, you know, so. Um, Frequently, that no one wants to be labeled, no one wants a negative label, everyone wants to pretend like or live um, the perfect life. I do think that with the advances of technology and social media, we hear a lot more about issues that um, plague one another, and I think it, in some ways it has um, encouraged people to, you know, the keyboard sometimes provides strength to people, so to be able to blog or do um, a video channel, you know, about their struggles, I think, becomes helpful in some ways and harmful in other ways. But I definitely think society is much more aware of mental illness and the impact that it can have, you know, from the school shootings to um, terror threats and and things like that. We see it a whole lot more now.
2: Isn't that interesting? You know, I was just, uh, I I spent a lot of time at universities, and I I was telling you all in the, the conversation that we had in preparation for this show that, just a couple of months ago, I was at the University of Toronto, one of the largest universities in the world, right? And I was talking with the provost, and she had on one of her, uh, one of her top three priorities for the university, mental health. And it's very interesting to to think about, you know, the prominence of this in every institution that we're involved with, and how important it is for us to understand that mental health is a part of, you know, our holistic. Um, our, our, the holistic package that you know we need to commit ourselves to and to be thinking about it, but also to reframing the way we talk about and provide services and resources, not just formally or through institutions, but also informally as as friends, the way we talk, the way we message, the way we support one another, and also know that we ourselves might be going through some uh, difficult mental or emotional uh, illnesses over time and, and we'll need support as well. Right. Nikki, Absolutely. Nikki, one of the you- things... Mm -hmm. I was going to
5: say the pressure on college campuses to perform, to fit in, um, to do well, to be seen. You know, most people come from high schools where people do know your names, and then you fall into these large institutions where you're just fighting really to make a name for yourself and to be recognized. There are a lot of pressures that go along with that. And usually um, for males, that's where you see their first mental health break Mm. um, is between the ages of 19 and 21
2: really interesting yes. well it's also interesting because especially as competitive as college has become that you know a lot of these especially the big schools that I end up spending a lot of time in that you know th- these are the kids that had to be in the top 10% of their class right and so all these kids are the top 10%ers and then they get to a college campus where everyone's a top 10%er and the same ranking system applies there and no longer they are the top 10% and they're getting pressure Not just from their parents, but also from, you know, the graduate schools that they want to be accepted to and themselves, because they've set themselves up to think that only the top 10% is acceptable. And now that they're in a very different and more competitive pond, it's oftentimes unrealistic. So, you know, the number of of breaks, um, mentally and emotional breaks that are happening on college campuses is, is absolutely alarming. And and Absolutely. then to think about not just the students but also the people who are working there and the families of those children. How do how do they deal with it?
5: So, Absolutely.
2: I think,
5: yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of college campuses are slowly coming around, but it still comes from the person or their friends or a support network to encourage um, people to seek the treatment that they need. Versus, you know, grin and bear it, ignore it, fake it till you make it. I think sometimes those messages can be helpful. But oftentimes, um, they're more harmful than good.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's kind of that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Listen, I live with an alpha male, so I understand that. <laughs> great all
3: great all <laughs> <laughs> let
2: me let me transition us one more time. And, Nikki, when we come back, I want to switch us to talk some about uh, autism and ADHD and AD- ADD. And I also want to talk some about being a caregiver and a parent so uh, let's switch gears for a minute. And while we're away at commercial break, please hit us up on Twitter at Dieta M. Jones and at Richard underscore dent 95. We'll be right back.
1: This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers, the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, sweat, and Bears hits hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or download it to Kindle. Dieta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic, yet direct, and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dietta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at diettajones.com. success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. To reach the show today, please call in to one 346 9141 That number again is one 346 9141 you may also send an email to Jones at diettajones.com. Now, back to the show.
2: We're back and continuing, am I crazy or what? Real talk about mental health. So, Nikki, can we switch over and talk a little bit about you? You are the parent of a child who has autism, and I want to talk to you a little bit about our, you know, get your perspective. You've been an incredibly active uh, student and educator in the field of autism on your blog, Faith, Hope, Love, Autism. You mentioned that 1 in 68 children is autistic. That's a that's a huge number.
4: It, so, it, is, it is a huge number. It's a and huge it's a number. number. What's up with that? Huh? I said it's a huge number and unfortunately uh, it is a growing number. Um, you know, back in 2000 when You know, autism really first became something that was on the top of my mind. Um, It was the rate of the autism prevalence in children in the U.S. was one in 150. Today, it's one in 68. So, not only is it increasing, but it's increasing—you know, six to 15 percent every year. Um, So, you know, it's definitely um, one of the biggest problems that are that we're faced with in the United States. And and about one percent of the world population has been diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder.
2: So, Nikki, Nikki, help us understand. Just to you know, make this um, you know really clear for us. So, you know, I, when I was growing up, we I had you know we we might have a, a family member or, or or a friend's family member who was kind of a little slow or a little different, and we you know we used language like that. But now we actually have, you know, diagnosable, you know, autism and, and the number is increasing. What do you think is causing this number? Is it that we're counting it differently and the people who a long time ago we would have said are kind of slow or different we're now counting as autistic? Or are we literally having more people who are faced with this particular kind of illness?
4: Well, I think that's actually one of the big debates in the autism community right now. is is the number that's growing, is it because of an increase in the rate of incidence or is it an increase in the rate of diagnosis? diagnosis? Um, I think that to your point, um, some of the behaviors or um, people who we looked at in the past we might not have been considered on the autism spectrum are now being classified under the autism spectrum uh, now because of the way the DSM-5 is set up. Um, But also, too, because there's also an increased awareness that people are more aware of the word autism. So it's not there's a a whole debate on whether it's actually more occurrence or is it just more awareness. And I think there's probably a fine line between the two. I think there probably is uh, a little bit of both. I think that there's definitely an increase in the number of people being diagnosed um, on the spectrum. But I also think that because of, of the wheel, uh, that's been spending. That more people are aware of autism as well, which is a good thing.
2: Could you tell us a little bit about what you, how would, how, you know, kind of a high level description of some of the characteristics of someone who's on the autism spectrum? And I know it's a spectrum, so I know that there are a lot of characteristics, but just in an overly generalizable way.
4: Well, you're right. There is definitely a, a huge spectrum. You know, There's from a, a, a less severe to a higher severe level of autism. You know, when you look at something you mentioned, Rain Man earlier. That's someone who is, uh, has a more severe case of a more classic autism and that are higher on the spectrum. Whereas you have some other people on the spectrum who you may not even necessarily know are on the spectrum or have autism per se, and I'm using my air quotes, um, but you might notice certain things about them. You might notice that um, they have problem interacting with other people. They might avoid uh, eye contact or they might uh, not imitate things that you're doing. Um, some people might have, you know, a severe language delay, or they might not be able to speak at all. Um, you know, there are some people that uh, that have autism that might do uh, stimming or like a repetitive or ritualistic behavior. Um, but then there are also very some people who have a very very narrow range of interests that might only want to talk about dinosaurs or astronomy or trains. Um, but you know, there's a huge range uh, of uh, of the way that autism presents itself
2: interesting really interesting so okay I know that this is a huge debate I know that this is a very controversial topic but I can't help but bringing it up because my mind automatically takes me to what's causing this what's causing the you know huge number of people on the autism spectrum and this just this morning as I was on the treadmill I was watching a news channel with someone from the Center for disease control talking about you know vaccinations and i know that vaccinations have come up in the past as potential you know some you know some people believe a number of vaccinations is potentially having an impact Another person I talked to said that it's about the food and the, the you know, certain uh, things that we're putting in our food to, to color them and chemicals and preservatives and it may be the bottled water or it may be this or it may be that. Do we have any idea? And I, you know, either of you, do you have any ideas? Is there anything that we could avoid or watch out for or should be aware of, learn more about that could be, you know, could cause autism, higher frequencies of autism?
4: I think that's a loaded question because, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I really, and I really wholeheartedly do, you know, as a mom, as an autism mom, you know, a lot of times we think, okay, what could I have done differently? Or did I do anything to contribute to and or cause um, your child's um, uh, diagnosis? But the, the truth of the matter is that there is no known single cause for autism. Um, right. It's kind of generally accepted that it's caused by abnormalities in the brain structure or function. Um, But when they look at the brain scans, it shows differences in the shape of children um, with an autism diagnosis compared to what you would call a neurotypical child who does not have a diagnosis. So, you know, there's all kinds of of theories um, related to the cause of autism, you know, be it heredity, genetics, you know, environmental factors, or a combination of any of the above. So it's kind of hard to say what should you avoid. I personally, um, I try not to get into the the vaccine debate because it is so hotly contested. But what I do say, because I'm often asked by parents, especially, you know, having um, friends who are in the the child's birthing age that are having kids and have younger kids, you know, often ask me, should I or shouldn't I? And the one thing that I tell them is that, you know, is to just really kind of be aware um, do your research and speak candidly with your medical professional about your concerns and um, what options you have, because um, there are other options. It doesn't have to be to vaccinate or not to vaccinate. There are other options. You know, you can um, talk about maybe adopting a modified vaccination schedule where your child, your child is still getting the vaccination that is necessary to help, you know, prevent them from getting um, or contracting these um, vaccine-preventable epidemic diseases like whooping cough and measles, which, mind you, is on the rise again because so many people are, have chosen not to vaccinate. Right, but, you right. know, if you take a modified vaccination schedule where your doctor just kind of spreads the vaccinations out, they're not getting two and three at a time or getting, um, you know, vaccinations close in schedule, then they can still get the benefit of the vaccination. And as a society, we can still benefit from um, the vaccination uh, Schedule right without, without the intent being yeah. you know, but because here's the problem, and, and this is where the real problem comes into play. I think with parents is that obviously you know many mental health and public health authorities view you know large scale vaccination as an essential key to preventing these epidemic diseases. But where the problem comes in for concerned parents is, does the benefit of this big picture of public health? outweigh the perceived potential danger to your own child
2: absolutely Mm -hmm.
4: and Mm -hmm. so as a parent who has very real concerns that is a big thing to debate with and you know so you have to kind of that's why I don't I don't give advice and I don't say to to vaccinate or not to vaccinate I think it's a very personal um, process that you have to go through with your significant other and your medical professional but I do say That look at what all your options are. It doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other. There is an area of gray um, where you know your child can be protected as well.
2: Helpful, very helpful. And I love, I love how you. This was earlier on in your comment, but I love how you, at least in my mind, it, it alluded to this avoiding guilt from a parent right. point of view. you know this is not about you I, I did something as a parent I know for me I have a son who's 6 I was a geriatric pregnancy I know that sounds crazy it really affected <laughs> me when I walked into my doctor's office <laughs> But I was a geriatric pregnancy and so they said look you have to get all these extra tests done because you're you know past the 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 optimal point to be you know childbearing and and, and it was it was it really worried me it worried me a lot and I know that you know, that a lot of parents, you know, have questions about, is there something I could have done differently? Was it it my diet? Was it this? Was it that? It that one Um,
4: piece of salami that I, you know, snuck and had, you know. It's like that of jalapenos I was craving. It's (laughs) great. You know, it's like it's all of those things. And, you know, you, you can't, and it goes back to that self that guilt, the anxiety. You know, I know that we kind of switched and we reared off, but, you know, one thing that is actually, you know, relevant is that, you know, with, you know, autism, is that anxiety and stress and anger, those are all things that are very real to a child with autism. Um, You know, they probably deal with anxiety and stress like nobody's business because they're dealing, they are in a world where things are, what's normal to you is foreign to them, you know. Um, So, like, for example, with my six-year-old, you know, he's in this baseball class that he was learning and you know and the coach is like you know put your hands in and you on the count of three we're going to say scream i love baseball well you know with some trepidation he's now putting his hand on the pile with the other 20 kids in the class but when they go to scream i love baseball he immediately covers up his ears because that is just it's just too much it's overstimulating for him
0: Absolutely.
4: So, and he's like, so you know, so anxiety and stress, and there are times where you know, like this past weekend, you know, he's been wanting to see the movie Paddington since you know before it came out. We were watching the trailer and the previews, but we literally, my husband and I, had to drag him out of the house, out of the car. He was pulling, holding onto the car door to get him to go inside the theater, just because of the anxiety of, am I going to be scared? Am I going to be nervous? It's going to be too loud. I'm going to be scared. And then yeah. finally we got inside, and then luckily, you know, we saw like a Spongebob poster for a different movie, and he was like, oh, okay, and then he sat down, and he loved it. Yeah, but, yeah. And he knew that he wanted to see it. He wanted to see it so bad, but the anxiety of the process of going to the theater and going to the movie almost made him miss that, you know, 90 minutes of joy.
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get us to break right now. But this is really, really, really helpful. And so when we come back, what I want to do is talk, uh, talk to us about, you know, next steps. What are some of the resources? What are some of the things that that we can and should be doing to facilitate our ongoing mental well-being? So while we're at break, please visit us at www.dietajones.com or hit us up on Twitter at DietaMJones m jones and at richard underscore dent 9 five. We'll be right back.
1: Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history blood sweat and bears its hard just like its hall of fame author buy it now on amazon or download it to kindle Dieta jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking consulting and writing on leadership management and cultural diversity for more than 20 years her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research she is diplomatic, yet direct, and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dietta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at dietajones.com. Live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. listening to dj and DeBear keeping you at the top of your game to reach the show today please call in to one 346 9141 that number again is one 346 9141 you may also send an email to djones at dietajones.com now back to the show
2: we're back and continuing am i crazy or what Real talk about mental health issues, and we're joined by our special guests Michelle Simmons and Nikki Sterling. Thank you so much for this really interesting conversation so far. Let's let's talk about mental and emotional well-being to to round down our topic. And we, as we know, this is too much comp topic to talk about in one segment. So we'll of course have to invite you to come back and talk with us in more detail. But but one of the things that's really important to me in my work, in my in my personal life, and practice is about um, finding ways to, to help communicate really practically how people can incorporate emotional well-being activities into their lives. I do leadership development. So for me, I think of it as part of an ongoing leadership development program, regimen, right? In order to be successful and effective, leading other people, you have to be um, able to have a vision. You have to be able to be motivated to um, to create a, a clear and compelling shared vision for other people, to to help people flourish, to inspire, etc., cetera. And so for me, I spend a lot of time with that. And so in the way that I do that, in the way that I try to translate it and make it real practical for people is talk about positivity and trying to increase the ratio of positive versus negative emotions that you experience on a regular basis. And I tell people six to one is the ratio that they should go for. Now, I know that's aspirational, but I think <laughs> six to one is really a good ratio. Um, and I have research that backs it up. It may not be the same research, but I pick the high ratio. Can you, can you talk to us more about, about you know, how we might invest in our own emotional and mental well-being? Michelle, what do you tell people who come to you? And what do you, what do you teach people as far as skills or practical tools that we can incorporate into our day-to-day lives to to facilitate our mental and emotional well-being?
5: I think, you know, a lot of people struggle with investing in themselves um, because society gives us the message that we are selfish or conceited or self-centered if we take that time to do what makes us feel well versus meeting somebody else's needs. Um, So I encourage everybody to, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you take care of anybody else? So you've got to find things that bring you joy. Be it church, be it yoga, be it golf, be it whatever it is that brings you joy. You need to regularly incorporate that into your um, life. I also like to teach people a fistful of gratitude. So it's not six, but it's five things that you're grateful for every day before your feet hit the floor. And it really sets the tone. If you think it's going to be a bad day, it really will be.
2: Yep. Yep. Isn't that something? I love that. A fistful of gratitude. Okay, five things every day before I wake up, before my feet hit the floor. Love it. What about you, Nikki? You are a you are a caregiver, so it's not that you don't have your own <laughs> mental and emotional stressors, but you're also in a caregiver role. What are, some, what are some things that you think work well or that you've incorporated into your life that you could share with us?
4: Well, if I'm being 100% transparent, that's still something that I'm trying to master, probably like so many of your other listeners. Um, but I think that, you know, as, as a mother, but specifically as a caregiver, we tend to give care to others and not necessarily um, focus or place an importance on our own self-care. That's usually the first thing that gets cut when the to-do, to-do list gets too long, um, and I do it all the time. So I really try to make it a point of just having at least 15 minutes to myself, be it me waking up before everyone else and having a cup of coffee before the, I get the boys ready, or after I put them down at night, taking 15 minutes to myself just to regroup before I, you know, go into my own bedroom and start talking to my husband. I think it's really important just to take those moments, even if it's five, just check in with yourself. Um, mm-hmm. But then also, too, to not be afraid to ask for help. You know, as a caregiver, we're often in the, in the position of providing care, um, and we need to take the time to accept help from other people um, and to just take a break and to, to divorce yourself from everything for an hour, you know. Sometimes I literally will have the babysitter come for an hour, and I'll just go up to Starbucks and I'll sit there with a cup of coffee, <laughs> yeah. uh, just so I have you know a quiet time without my phone, where it's just me and my thoughts.
3: Yeah, well, you know that's important to make sure that. Your glass is full. If your glass is not full, you know, we all know that it's hard to, you know, fulfill someone else's glass. But, you know, it's important to take care of yourself or know where your problems are and try, you know, to follow what is it that you need to do to be sustainable internally Mm -hmm. so you can be able to keep your glass full and be able to help other people.
4: Right. I think the other thing that's really important that I found personally is, to incorporate some kind of physical activity into my daily routine. Very Um, important. Personally, I like to run, but with the weather we've been having, (laughs) it's not been happening for me because I prefer to run outside. Um, But just, just getting out and being able to run with or without music. Sometimes I really love just running without music, just unplugged and kind of listening to my own breathing and my own heart. That's a moment of meditation for me, but I'm also getting in some physical activity. Um, It's like I might not feel like doing it, but I always feel better once I did it. Yeah, once you do it. That's right. Because, I mean,
3: I've I've played ball for a long time, and I've always said that once it's over, I'm going to look forward to just working out, not working out for a living. Working out for a living is a totally different thing (laughs) than just unleashing and releasing you know, Absolutely. So well, it, it's important for me to to get some kind of workout or whatever it may be that I need to do. If it's a little bit, you know, it's just what you need. It's not what i got to push myself to because that's a profession compared to just releasing, you know, energy, you know, to uh-huh. the world.
2: Well, okay. and I, you know, one of the things that that is, is also is really important, and from a holistic point of view, is just to remember how connected we are, right? Mental and emotional and physical; those are all incredibly connected, and we need to yes. to see them as one unit. And you know, we can't take care of one if the other one is you know is weak. Uh, the other the other thing that I like to, to talk about with people um, is is about vision. It's about and I think Michelle, you started us off with this. You started you started us off by talking about you know being able to reframe one's mental state. And so for me, part of the the opportunity for listeners is to think about you know wh- where is it that I'm trying to go? What is a what is a, a happy, fulfilled, fulfilling experience look like? And then and then focusing on you know exerting energy between wherever I am today and that that happier place. And and being able to, you know, spend some time thinking about what my vision is for myself so that it becomes so compelling that I can't help but investing my energy in moving in its direction um, kind of takes us out of the the, the difficulties associated with the past and, and kind of retredging the past over and over and again or and worrying about what might be. That, that vision is often a real compelling uh, mental place for people to go. You guys, how will we uh, learn more? What resources do you want to point us to? What are some of the things that you're doing that we should know about and that we should pay attention to?
5: Um, I think, you know, obviously with the Internet, there are a wealth of resources out there. I would just encourage people not to use it as a diagnostic tool, um, but <laughs> the national <laughs> because everybody can fit into every category. But I would encourage people, you know, the National Alliance of Mentally Ill, Um, provides support groups in every city. You can always call and ask any questions, Um, but I encourage everybody to treat your mental health like you do your physical health. and hope everybody's getting annual checkups, and that at least at some point throughout the year, you really take a long look at your mental health and ask if there's anything else you could be doing um, to live a more positive life. Love it.
2: Nikki? Absolutely. Tell us about your blog one more time. I'm sorry? Tell us about your blog one more time.
4: Uh, well, faithhopeloveautism.com is a blog that I started, and it's kind of a lot of personal reflections of myself and our journey, my family's journey with autism. Um, I also try to provide tips and resources um, for um, pe- people who are looking to find out more information about autism itself and or um, find out how to go about having your child screened or diagnosed. Um, two of my favorite resources um, is the uh, www.researchautism.org, which is the Organization for Autism Research. They do a phenomenal job of providing information and services. But then also I like to point people to um, the Autism Society website, um, and that's autism-society.org. Awesome. That is the national one, but on that that website, you can find your local chapter um, in each state. Um, It does a really great job of providing you with resources directly in your state.
2: Awesome. I need to I need to wrap us up. Thank you so so much, both of you, all of you, for being here with us today. Uh, next week we will be joined by Shelly Rowe, and we will discuss decision making. Um, and until then, keep finding ways to make a dent in pursuit of your dreams, to serve your community, to make our world better. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Nikki.
3: Thank you both, Thanks ladies, for-, for making a dent and making a difference. Thank you.
2: Thanks. for having
3: me. You're
2: welcome. We love you. Bye. 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 Bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in. Please join Dietta Jones and Richard Dent for another edition of DJ and DeBear. We'll be back next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. <laughs>